creation, chaos, covenant, Christ, church, and recreation. So when we look at the Bible, and I've got a big, thick uh, study Bible here, there's a lot of stuff in here, but when we boil it down to the big picture, we can kind of look at these main themes. There's a lot of other themes, but we see these things. So creation, we talked about, that's where God creates the heavens and the earth, and he said it was good. And then he said when he created humanity, it was very good, right? Yeah. So he creates that and he says it's very good. And then things get messed up with chaos. Everyone say chaos. chaos. And, and the start of chaos is not the end of chaos. So just because we go to covenant doesn't mean we don't still see chaos around us. Chaos still exists. And chaos occurs when Adam and Eve eat of the tree. And them eating of the tree is them deciding what is good and what is evil. They are determining in their own hearts. If you look around at the world today, would you say people still do that? Would you, still, would you say that they determine what is good and what is evil? A lot of times we justify our actions because we think that they're right, even if they're self-serving and even if they help other people. I mean, hurt other people. We, we do things that hurt others, hurt ourselves, and that leads to chaos. So Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and now they think that they can determine which is which. And that's kind of where we end up in the mess that we're in today. So now, because of that, God starts the process of restoring us. And it's a long process, and he starts it first with the covenant. And the covenant says, here's what I want to do. I want to bless all of the world through this one family, through Abraham's family. And so he's going to do that, but in order to do that, he says, you need to raise your family up in the right things, in righteousness. That's what righteousness means. It means the right things. It means the good things, and good things are the God things, right? And so he starts raising them up in that, but they never fully complete the covenant. In fact, over and over again, they fall and they mess up. Does that sound familiar? Even if you try to do good, what? Sometimes you mess up and you fail. So they go through this, and then they're looking through this. They see that there are prophets, and the prophets tell of a time when the Messiah will come and where the fulfillment of the covenant will occur because all of the nations will be blessed through one man, Abraham, this line of Abraham. Someone is going to come that is the Messiah. Everyone say Messiah. Messiah. The Messiah is the Savior, the Savior of the world. And that is Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ comes, and he's not born of man's flesh. He comes only through the woman's line, and the Holy Spirit uh, conceives within the Virgin Mary, Jesus. And Jesus is born without sin. He, he doesn't have the same hang-ups and the same broken DNA that we have in some ways. He's more human than any of us have been human since Adam and Eve. And because of that, he can resist the enemy. He doesn't have any initial sin. So he resists the enemy, and he's tempted in every way. But just because he's tempted doesn't mean he sins. In fact, he defeats temptation. And through the defeat of temptation, he lives a holy and spotless life and becomes the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb that was required in the covenant times for every sin is now the ultimate Lamb, Jesus Christ. And so he dies for the sins of the world in order to wash those away, in order to pay the penalty, in order to pay the debt, in order to appease a holy God, he dies and is risen again. So he takes the keys of death, he beats, he has victory, he wins. And then we have the church that's established. And Jesus says, I'm going to God the Father, and I'm going to be up there, and I'm leaving the church to do the work. 
And so that's what we are. Every believer is a part of the church. Whether or not they attend church, they should be attending or going or being participating in some sort of fellowship because we're called to be united together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Christ is the head of the church. He establishes it. And that's kind of the age we're in now. However, there's a simultaneous age that's going on at the same time. So we're in this, what some people call age of grace, meaning that the church is doing the work of God and and we are awaiting Jesus' return because Jesus told us that when he's going to the God, the Father, he's going to return eventually. And he's going to come back as the ruling king because the the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah that was going to come and establish a throne. So realize that when Jesus is executed on the cross, they they say it right on the top there, they say that the, the king of the Jews, right? And he's actually asked this in questioning. He's asked, are you the king? Because by him declaring that he's a king, it's kind of uh, a little bit treasonous, right, in Rome? And so that is one of the reasons that the Jewish people wanted to get rid of him. That's why the Romans were okay with getting rid of Jesus, is because he's claiming authority over this world. And the Jewish people that were following him thought he was going to be Messiah, the ruling king. So it's kind of weird, because he doesn't establish that type of kingdom. Instead, he leaves his church and he says, the church is going to establish the kingdom. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, it's not just something that we're, you know, once we're saved or waiting to go to heaven. No, we're actually called to bring a bit of heaven on earth right now. And that's what the church is called to do. Amen? That's why church is so important. When you come in here, it should feel like the closest thing to heaven on earth because it has the people of heaven in it. And the kingdom of heaven is now. And so Jesus says, I'm not setting up a kingdom like the other kingdoms that rise and fall and get voted in and voted out and and get killed off by war and famine and pestilence and those types of things. No, he's going to establish an eternal kingdom. And we're in the process of that right now. So as believers in Jesus Christ, I'm looking forward to the day when he returns and he is a visible king. And we're not just... uh, following this right now, but we're looking to his return. And you think about this. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, what else does it say? As it is in, as it is, we want that to happen. As it is in heaven, we want it to happen where? On earth. Do you see what, Je- what Jesus said there? He said, this should not be separated. We want to bring this together. So sometimes we're, we're so looking forward to heaven, we forget that we're called to do this right now too, that Jesus actually wants to impact the here and now. And that's why we're here. That's why, you know, as soon as we, we get that ticket essentially to heaven where, where our, our grace is given to us and, and our sins are forgiven, we don't just go bloop and, you know, and just get shot up into heaven. It's because there's still work to do. And, and, and so that's why we're here right now. So that's the church. And then we go recreation. Everyone say recreation. So Genesis means what? Beginning. It's also a really cool band. But, <laughs> but it's, it means beginning. Some of you know what I just said. Others of you are like, I have no idea. Um, it, it, it means beginning. So Revelation means what? No, it doesn't mean end. I, I got you. Revelation means revelation. Okay? What is, what is Revelation. And, and, and quick error that sometimes I do and other people do, it's not revelations, it's revelation, okay? Revelation is what? It's something that's revealed, right? It's something that's shown to us. 
Now, all of the Bible is a revelation from God. He's given it to us so that we can know him and know what's happened, okay? Now, this revelation, everyone open it up in your Bible if you have one there in the front. Just open it. You can open it up to Revelation chapter 1 and put your thumb there. And then I'm going to go to, to Matthew 24, 36 through 44 too. So if you want to open up Matthew, you can do that as well. So Revelation is, is this book that a lot of us, and, and even unbelievers, are a little bit freaked out by, a little bit uh, afraid of, a little bit uh, worried over. But I want to look at the words of Jesus before we look at the Revelation. Uh, Matthew 24, 36 through 44 and Jesus talks about the end times and some of the things that are going to happen. And some of them are horrific before this. And he talks about the difficulty that's going to happen. But then he kind of ends it, and he's talking to the disciples in this. He ends it by saying this. And this is what we really need to keep in context and in our minds when we look at this. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son of himself. Only the Father knows. Right? And so 36 or 44 says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken out and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You, you go, right? That's what happens if you know that. Like, they don't usually text you and say, hey, I'm heading over tonight to steal all your stuff. But if you knew when it was going to happen, you'd be prepared, right? So Jesus is telling us, this is all going to happen. I want you to keep watch. You also, verse 44, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. All right? That's the advice that Jesus gives us after telling us all of this stuff that's going to happen. It's not create a bunker and get 50,000 pounds of dried potatoes, it isn't get a whole bunch of milk and all that. You know, some of that may be good, but actually what Jesus says is to be spiritually prepared and on watch so that when he shows up, we're not like, whoops, I wasn't ready. Whoops. I, like, I don't have a whole lot of faith in myself. If I knew the moment I was going to die or the moment that Christ would return or the moment all this was going to hit the fan, I think that I may slack off until I get to that moment. Or I might you just you know, get better as I get closer to that moment, right? Instead, Jesus says, be on watch when? All the time. Who? Everyone. So let's not lose the context of what that means. And, and, and then he also says, hey, this is what he tells the disciples. Go into Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world and what? Share the gospel. That's the most important thing. Why? Because all this is going to play out, but what matters is whether or not you're watching, and only people who are watching are believers. Those are the ones that are going to be ready. Jesus tells another story of, of women waiting for the, the bridegroom, the, the groom, to come to, to marry them. And they're all in the house, and, and they're, some of them are not ready at all. They haven't done their makeup, they haven't done their hair. In fact, they don't even have any candles or, or or oil with them so that when they go out, they'll just stumble and they'll fall and they won't even make it. And he says, be like the ones that have the oil and are prepared. So that's the words of Jesus to us about this, right? 
He says, be prepared for this and be prepared when this happens. So a a few words uh, about that. Jesus is is telling them what is going to occur and he's trying to prepare them. And then we see in Revelation 1, 1 through 6. Let's look at that. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Revelation and follow along with this as well. It's going to be on the screen. First of all, this is a revelation from whom? I like it. Right? Who's it coming from? Jesus Christ. Well, he's in heaven. Yes, but he's giving this to John. And I believe that this is John, the Apostle John. Uh, That's who we're most likely talking about here. There's some discussion of that. That doesn't matter as much as who's giving it, right? The message is coming from whom? Jesus Christ. So this is the revelation, if you really want to look at it this way. The next time you think of revelation, I want you to think of it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's giving this to us. Why would he be giving this to us? Why did he give it to these people at this time? We'll read on and see. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to what? To show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all those who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Let's take a moment right now and say, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm blessed. (laughs) I'm reading it to you right now. That's pretty cool, right? You're hearing it, right? Those of you who fall asleep today are not going to get blessed. I just want (laughs) to... No, this is true. It says those those who do not skip over this, those who read this, and those who read it to others are blessed. So in this, we are actually following through with what God wants, and we are blessed through that. It says, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. 